0: Have you ever listened to a podcast that helped you plan your trip? Well, I just got back from a mother-daughter trip to Boston and Out Travel the Systems episode titled Only in Boston gave us lots of ideas of potential things for us to do. After a year in our homes, many of us are eager to travel again. If you're ready to go overseas, this season includes memorable explorations of Spain, France and Australia, as well as some of America's most vibrant cities like Boston, New York City and Chicago. Now, before you embark on your next trip, join host Nasreen Atassi to swap tips with travel experts and industry insiders, as well as people just like you and me who have great travel stories to share. So, subscribe to our travel the system today on Apple Podcasts via the link in our show notes. Welcome to the Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the financially savvy travelers. Hey, Financially Savvy Travelers. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast. Today, we have Vicky Sosa, who is a Florida-based blogger traveling around the world with her stuffed monkey buddy. Stationed in Europe for three years with the army, Vicky was able to visit many countries, including Spain, England, Norway. You take your pick. Years later, tired of the nine to five lifestyle, she then sold all of her stuff and started traveling full time through house sitting. Her travel blog, BuddyTheTravelingMonkey.com will inspire you to get out there and see the world, whether it's a weekend trip or traveling for a year. Vicky is proof that nothing can stop you from prioritizing travel. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how being in the army made her a better traveler and prepared her for a location-independent lifestyle. So, welcome to the show, Vicky.
1: Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a great chat. I'm really excited. We've been
0: friends online, friends. We've met up at travel conferences, blogging conferences, and I knew that you were in the military, but. I didn't know the extent of your entire journey. And I also knew that you were a full-time travel blogger as well, but I really am excited to chat with you about designing your life because you've transitioned many times. And at the core, location independence seems like it was a really big pillar for you and you were able to make it happen. So super, super stoked to talk all about Location independence, as well as your time in the military. So, would love to hear some more detail about like, was travel a big part of your life growing up? How did you start traveling? Did the military inspire you to start traveling? How did that start?
1: So, actually, I've had a passport since I was a baby, literally. My father is from Guatemala. So, since I was a baby, I would travel to Guatemala. I was baptized in Guatemala. So, my parents, you know, as a baby, Flew me over. And then as a kid, every summer between school, I would go to Guatemala. So I've always felt comfortable on planes. As I got a little bit older, I would fly there on my own. My parents would, you know, put me on the plane and (laughs) my family would be waiting for me at the airport. So I've always loved to travel. And growing up, my mom had encyclopedias. And I know that's not a common thing anymore. Everything things online. But I remember I would just sit on the floor going through these encyclopedias and seeing these amazing places and just thinking, I'm going to see that myself one day. You know, I would look at pictures and I want to see that for myself. So yeah, I've always loved to travel. And then I ended up joining the army. I was 19, I think I was. And, you know, I was stationed in Georgia. And then I got the opportunity to go to Germany. And I was in Germany for three years. And that's when I really was able to travel a lot. I went to many countries and that was like, wow, this is finally happening. (laughs) I was in Rome and I remember touching this pillar and I was like, what if Caesar touched the same pillar? And like, I got teary eyed because that's just something that I'm a big history buff too. So it was a great experience being able to travel over
0: there. That is incredible. And, you know, we have a similar background in the fact that we would go back home where our family's originally from. I would go to Haiti every single summer from like three to 15. It was great because you get to be part of that culture, you speak the language, the food. It's just a rich experience.
1: Oh, for sure. You get to see the differences as far as, you know, in the US, a lot of things are different. You're used to probably asphalt roads and things, you know, like grocery stores, not necessarily dirt roads or small markets. And it just teaches you a lot about just how other countries are set up, you know, logistics and stuff too.
0: No, that's so true. I remember I would come home from an entire summer in Haiti and I would forget how to speak English. So the first couple days at school were a little like my English is a little heavy there. (laughs) But it was just a great experience overall. So when you were stationed in Europe, how often were you able to go on trips to visit different destinations throughout Europe? Were you taking more weekend trips? Were you taking longer trips? Sure, more about that.
1: Yeah, so it was mostly weekend trips. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of work to do. And when I was first stationed there, I was married at the time and my ex-husband was actually stationed on a different base. So like the first year that I was there, the first year out of the three, we are mostly just trying to meet up, meet each other. He would travel to me or I would travel to where he was stationed. So it was after he was able to get moved and we were settled together that it was like, okay, now we can go travel. And we were really lucky at that point. I don't know how it is now, but at that point where we were stationed, the policy was that at least once a month, there should be a three day weekend. So if not a four day weekend. So like if there was a holiday like Thanksgiving, that was kind of automatically a four day weekend. But if it was on in a month that was just a random, there was like no holiday whatsoever. One weekend they would at least give us like a Friday off or something, so we would have a three-day weekend. People used to joke that any given you know holiday weekend they wouldn't be able to find me because it was true. I would take off somewhere, and whether it was you know a quick drive to another town in Germany or we would catch a cheap flight out of the country and. Europe has really great transportation and they have super cheap flights. There's a, an airline called Ryanair. It's kind of like the spirit of the US where they charge you extra for everything. It's super, super budget. But, you know, like I would just get on that website and see, hey, where's the cheapest to fly on the next three day, you know, weekend? And that's how I ended up going to Finland for, you know, a weekend. <laughs> it was mostly weekend trips, which, It's good because you get to, you know, see something. But at the same time, you know, I wish obviously that I had had longer time and you can only usually see one city. There were a couple of longer trips, like a week where I went to Italy and and stuff. But yeah, it was mostly weekend trips, which is a good way to catch little things. But I definitely want to go back and experience more. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Because I have a nine to five job, I'm often doing weekend trips. And I found that weekend trips are a great opportunity for you to get an introduction and know if you potentially want to come back. Right. I think a lot of times we're like, we're going to spend a week or 10 days at a destination. And we might end up not actually liking it. So a weekend trip is like a really good intro. But if you really like the place, you're going to definitely be like, you know, sad that you have to like depart so fast. So there's definitely pros and cons to both of those things. All right. So how did joining the military make you a better traveler? You have a wonderful article on your website, which I'll have the link to in the show notes about how joining the military made you a better traveler. And to me, why this was important to share is because it's not one of those connections that you're like, oh, it's very clear. I just loved reading your insights on that. So would love for you to share some of the results and some of the things that have stuck with you years, years
1: later. In the article, I mentioned five things. And the biggest of the five is really flexibility. Because when you're in the army, you know, things change. One of the biggest phrases I learned was adapt and overcome, right? (laughs) And that's definitely true when you're traveling, because as OCD as you can be about planning, you know, like, and I'm totally guilty of that. I love spreadsheets. And Itineraries and all of that, and doing my research ahead of time. But you have to realize things can go wrong. And the biggest thing is to not let that, you know, like ruin your trip. You have to be flexible. You have to adapt, have a plan B, and maybe even a plan C. You can research ahead of time and see this museum is open on these days and these hours. And then you get there, and maybe they didn't post that, oh, they have a wedding. And so they closed down or something like that. So, you know, okay, can't go there. That sucks. But move on and go somewhere else. Or in my case, I had the experience where I was traveling with a friend and this friend decided that he met a local (laughs) and wanted to spend a few days with her. So I was like, okay, well, there goes my travel buddy. And I was like, okay, well, he didn't want to see this and this. So while he's shacked up with her, I'm going to go see the things that he didn't want to see in the first place. So there's that, you know, you you just have to be flexible. Something else that I learned in the military, I learned how to be a leader. Obviously, you're in charge of people. But then you also learn how to be a follower. You know, you have to take orders from those that are in charge of you. And that can be the same when you're traveling. Because let's say you're traveling with a group of friends. And everyone is that same kind of type A in charge personality. And you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen, right? So there's certain times where you're like, okay, I'm going to take a step back. You guys do your thing and I will follow wherever you guys want to go. You guys can be in charge. Or, you know, there's the opposite where everyone, maybe it's their first time traveling. Maybe it's their first time in a foreign country. So they're not sure what to do. So, okay, I'm going to step up and all right, you guys follow me. (laughs) So there's that. And you know, it just it leaves you more open minded. I think when you're in the army, you meet so many different people. And I grew up in Miami in a big city. And when I was in the army, I met people that were from small towns that used to take their horse to school. That's how they got to school. And that blew my mind. (laughs) Meeting so many people from all different parts of the country, all different backgrounds, different family structures, it leaves you, in my opinion, you know, less judgy. And it just prepares you for when you're traveling and meeting people from all around the world. That's definitely a good thing because travel in general, I think, leaves you more open-minded. But for some people, it might take a little bit of getting used to. But the army definitely prepared me for that. (laughs) Yeah, just being able to talk to people as well. When I was very young, I was very, very shy. Uh, I barely spoke to anyone. And when you're in the Army, it kind of makes you come out of your shell. And especially once you start taking on leadership positions, you have to speak up. You have to tell people what to do and take charge and all of that. And that has helped me. Like when we met at a conference, I went up to you and I was like, hey, (laughs) And I would have never done that before the army. (laughs) It helps you speak up and it really just gets you prepared to meet people and be willing to talk to people. You know, like if you're sitting at a bar in a new country, talking to the locals, get to know where it's good, not just the tourist traps, you know, and and that comes with talking to people. And that's definitely something that I learned when I was in the army.
0: I love all of those just insights and all the things that you've learned and how it translates to being a better traveler. So these are amazing. And again, I'll have the link in the show notes for you all so you could read the full article as well. All right. So first part of the show, we talked about life in the military and, you know, living abroad and being able to travel on the weekends and having seen so many different places in Europe. But since then, you have had quite a few lifestyle transitions. And I think this is where things get really interesting and a true passion of mine, especially for someone who is still working a nine to five. So I just am so inspired by people who have decided to take the leap, become location independent, create their own businesses, craft their own life. Very inspiring. So let's talk about how you decided and why you decided to quit your government job in 2016 to start working for a small insurance company that would let you work remotely for half of the week?
1: Yeah, so I guess, you know, baby steps, right? (laughs) So when I got out of the military, I at that point still wanted to be connected somewhat with the military, you know, it's a good part of my life. I love the structure of it. So I worked a few different government jobs, like the VA, the Veterans Association, stuff like that. But after Europe, I was actually stationed in San Antonio, Texas. It killed a little bit of my soul (laughs) because after Europe, you know, I was traveling all the time. And then Texas is one of those states that takes forever just to drive out of. And I felt very confined. Life happened. Then I ended up moving to Colorado. And then I moved back to Florida, where I'm originally from. Throughout those moves, I had different government jobs then when I got to Florida, I got to Miami, I was home in Florida and Miami for the first time in almost 11, 12 years. And so I started doing a lot of local travel, you know, I hadn't been here in so long. And I started doing the whole visiting within my own backyard. And I loved it. And I wanted to do it more. And I was talking to a good friend of mine, and she heard of a job opening through her mother-in-law actually that they were hiring someone in this small insurance company and they were offering some remote work you know half the week and I was like that would be awesome because that would give me a chance to travel more so she talked to her mother-in-law her mother-in-law talked to her boss who is the owner of the company like I said it's a very small company and I went in and I interviewed and like two days later they're like yeah you got the job. I went from this very stable government job with great benefits. It wasn't very hard to do what I was doing. So I had this like dream job and I was like, nope, (laughs) I'm willing to give that up because I want to travel more. So I transitioned over to the small company. It was great. And I kind of got to dip my toe, I like to say into that remote work pool, I guess. And, and this was, you know, years ago before, obviously before COVID, before more jobs transitioned into the whole remote work thing. And, you know, at some point my boss just realized, you know, like I'm reliable. He doesn't have to be on me every five minutes. He knows that I'm getting my work done. It was a really good transition. And it was great because, you know, I worked in the office Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night. I would take a flight and I would go somewhere and be in my hotel room working during the day, Thursday, Friday, but in the evenings I could explore. And then Saturday I would obviously have all day to explore as well. And Sunday I would fly back home. So it was a great way to do some more weekend travel. And I had already started my blog at that point. So it was great content for my writing and, and all of that. So It was interesting when I quit my government job, a lot of people were like, are you sure you want to do this? What if this small insurance company, what if they tank? My boss at the VA kept telling me this was a horrible idea. I had to go for it, you know, and I did. And it's worked out great. One of the
0: questions I had here for you is why trade security, stability and great benefits? I know why, but a lot of people are wondering why.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm not married, I don't have kids. I figured if this was the time to be crazy, so be it, you know, like I wanted to travel. For me, it was just that love of travel and having that opportunity. I figured this is my shot. And, you know, I figured the stars were aligning. If I just happened to be talking to a friend about wanting to travel more and she's like, "Well, hey, I heard of this job." So I just figured it was the right time. And I was in very good position with my previous job. And even though my boss was trying to convince me to stay multiple times, he took me out into the hallway to talk and kept telling me to stay. I always knew or I always felt that if things didn't work out, I could always go back. I didn't burn any bridges or anything, but I wanted to try it. And it's worked out beautifully since then being able to travel outweighed everything else for me.
0: Yes, yes. And when we say words like security, stability, great benefits, these are all relative and these are all subjective, right? Because you can find stability in other forms. You can find security in other forms, benefits in other forms. And like you said, it's all about weighing out the pros and cons. For you traveling being location independent weighed more than some of the other things that were being offered through your nine to five job. So I love your answer. And I think, again, it's all about what you truly want. As a listener, what do you want, right? What do you want and what do you prioritize? Awesome. So how did you build up the confidence to take on this new opportunity? Was it the love of travel that just... Gave you the courage? Were you nervous? Were you scared about taking the leap? Talk about more in terms of confidence. Like, how were things playing on in the inside?
1: So, it's interesting because I started this new job. And eventually, like I said, I kind of dipped my toe into the whole remote thing. I loved it so much. And I had started my blog. And eventually, I got into the mindset that I wanted to focus more on my blog. And I wanted to blog full time. And, you know, you can't get 100% out of something unless you give 100%. And this job that I was working, even with the remote and everything, I still didn't have time to work on my blog as much as I would have liked. I was doing stuff late at night and it was just exhausting. And I started seeing other bloggers were full time and they were traveling and focusing on their blog. At one point, I decided, even though this new job had been great, I had already been there a couple of years, I decided that I wanted more. I wanted to be completely remote. So I actually went in to quit that job. And I was like, okay, I'll figure out the money stuff later. (laughs) So I actually went into the job and talked to my boss, the owner of the company. And I had a whole speech laid out. And you I He's a small business owner, so obviously I try to put it in terms of you know business, so that he would understand, and he did. But he said, "No, I'm not going to let you quit." And I was like, "What? (laughs) You can't tell me no." But he said, "How about we switch you from full time to part time, and you can be 100% remote?" And I was like, "Uh, "Yes, I'll take it." (laughs) That was like the perfect scenario, and that's how I've been working with them. I'm still working with them part time. And it's, you know, 100% remote. And when I tell you that I was so nervous to go in and talk to him, I was sweating. I was shaking. But I have learned over the years, I'm not going to say the actual phrase because, you know, I don't want you to bleep it out. But years ago, just as I was getting out of the military, I was in a relationship that ended and it really, really messed me up. I was in a very low point in my life. And I went through many, many months of just bad stuff. And eventually I got out of that hole that I was in. And I kind of had a new motto for life. It was going to be my new, or at least I guess for anything, anytime I had to make a really bad decision or not bad decision, but anytime I had to make a tough decision, I would tell myself. Screw it, right? But with a different word. (laughs) And in my head, I was like, you know, I've been through a really rough patch in my life. Nothing can be as bad as that. So, since then, anytime I have to make a decision, I'm just like, screw it, see what happens. And that's how I made the decision to quit my government job. That's how I made the decision to try and quit my insurance company job. You know, that's how. I decided to eventually sell all of my stuff and start house sitting. Anytime I have these big decisions, I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. Just try. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and you'll figure something else out. And I guess it does come back to, you know, being flexible and having, you know, different plans that I did learn from being in the military as well. But yeah, I was just like, screw it. And (laughs) so far everything's worked out. So maybe I'm just an optimist, but that's how I made the decision. I just said, "Screw it, and I tried, and it's it worked
0: and it worked, and it's still working to this day years later, so that is such an incredible and inspiring story. I think that your story is just full of taking into account what you want and going after that and designing the life that you want based off the goals that you had. So you had a goal of being location independent. And it was scary to get here, but you made it happen. So talk to us about house sitting. How did you discover house sitting? I know that you're traveling quite a bit now. Where are you now? And, and how has house sitting fueled the fire for you to be able to travel further longer and all of that?
1: So like I said, I came up with this plan with my boss, thankfully, to be able to be 100% remote. And like I said, I moved from full time to part time. So obviously I was going to be making the money that I was, but where does most of your money go? It goes towards your rent or your mortgage, right? So I figure I don't want that anymore. I don't want to make those payments anymore. So I had heard just through blogging already, I was in the blogging community, other bloggers that were traveling around by house sitting. So I said I can do that. You know, like I love pets. I've had my own dogs. I've taken care of other people's pets before, you know, when I was in the military, people would have to leave for training or whatever. So I would watch their dogs and stuff like that. I figure, you know, I, I see other people doing it. So I can do it too. And that's how I decided to, you know, get rid of most of my stuff. I kept my kitchen stuff because, you know, that's expensive. <laughs> I didn't want to have to buy all of that again. But everything else, I got rid of couch, bed, all of that. And I have a small storage unit in Miami. So I keep some of the kitchen stuff and other knickknacks and stuff that I collected over my travels, but everything else I got rid of. And I turned in the keys to my apartment and I had already gotten on Trusted House Sitters, which is the website that I use to find house sits. And I got my first house sit and it was right in Florida, which was perfect. And after that, it, they just kept you know, rolling in. And I know you've had another house sitter on your podcast before. So I won't go too much into that. But I've been able to house it all over the world now. And I've made really great connections with people. And some have become friends, some of the homeowners. Now at this point, I've housed that for families multiple times. Now, as soon as they come back, they're like, Hey, are you available this same time next year? <laughs> so it's been a great experience. And that's how I've been able to travel a world. I've been to Africa. I've been to South America, Central America through house sitting as well. So it's been a great experience. And yeah, I love house sitting. (laughs) I've been doing it for like three years now.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. It's a travel hack, but it's also a life hack too, because you're cutting down or maybe even eliminating accommodation altogether, which is like you said, one of the most expensive parts of a monthly budget. That's a fantastic hack. And for those who want to hear more about house sitting in episode 53, we talked all about how Brittany Sharman has been able to save $60,000 house sitting around the world. So that's a good episode to listen to right after this one.
1: Yeah, I've listened to that and it was great. She really covered everything that you need to know about house sitting and all of the benefits of it. Yes, yes, that was a good one. Even
0: I was like, oh, maybe I could do this one day sooner than later, sooner than later. And I love how in your story, you mentioned that you saw other people doing it, right? Sometimes we don't know what's out there and what's possible until we see it. And we're like, oh, this is something that I can do. And then you could look back at your past experiences like, oh, I've done this in the past. So it's not a huge lift. Inspiration is so important. Inspiration could definitely lead to taking action. So that is, again, super important, and super key. You had this blurb on your blog. You said something to the effect of how you had this aha moment where you realize that you have transitioned from being a nomadic house sitter to becoming a digital nomad. So can you talk about that transition and For us, a lot of people may be like, oh, it's just difference in names, but I think it's deeper than that. So I'd love for you to share your insights on how you transitioned from nomadic house sitter to digital nomad.
1: Yeah, so I remember that moment, actually, (laughs) because it really was like, oh, snap. Okay," (laughs) because I think social media has a lot to do with that perception. You know, you hear the phrase digital nomad and you picture Beautiful people on a beach, you know, with their laptop while they're sipping on a strawberry daiquiri or something. Pick your drink. And I was not doing that. So, in my head, I was not a digital nomad. I happened to be nomadic and I was house sitting. So, in my head, that's what I was. I wasn't a proper digital nomad. But then I was talking to a friend and they were like, Yeah, but you work remotely, you have your blog, you're making money. And that's what being a digital nomad is you're making money through the digital world. And I was like, huh, I guess you're right. (laughs) And that's when I had that aha moment, because, you know, I have my blog, I do some freelance writing, I've done, you know, some social media for other companies and, and whatnot. I guess I do have these little side hustles as well besides, you know, my part time work, which is all remote. So at one point, I was like, I am a digital nomad, you know, I'm just maybe not like the Instagram version of digital nomad, but I am. And that was a really cool thing to realize. And I can't believe it took me so long (laughs) to realize that as well.
0: Yes. And I love how you just mentioned that, like, we have pictures in our mind, and we have what we think these terms mean. But we may realize that we are closer to who we want to be or, you know, we we just may be there already. And I think for me, this season of the podcast, I've realized a lot of things that I want in my life. I may not have arrived or maybe I have arrived. Right. So I think having those moments and being like, oh, I'm here and I am a digital nomad. And now you have like lots of articles on your blog that talk about being a digital nomad, how to do it, resources and tips like that. So you are able to help other people realize this goal as well. So I love that aha moment. All right. So we're going to wrap up this episode, but I definitely wanted for you to share more about your travel blog. One of the things that captivated me about you early on is that you have Buddy and we'll make sure to have a photo of you and Buddy on the show notes as well. So what inspired you to start your travel blog? Did you have a writing background at all? And how did you meet Buddy as well?
1: I've always loved to write. I've always, I think, been pretty good at it when I was in school and and whatnot. My teachers, you know, they always said I was good at writing. And when I moved back to Florida, that's when I started reading blogs. And I realized I've done a good amount of traveling myself. You know, maybe I can start a blog and let people know what I've done, give them tips, what to see, what to do naively, I thought, Oh, this will be easy. I'm just writing, right. (laughs) But of course, you know, having a blog is way more than just writing. But I wanted to stand out because obviously, there's a lot of blogs. Every day, there's new blogs out there. But I had already bought Buddy. And I already had pictures of him in different places. So when it came time to start my blog, and what to name it, I was like, why don't I name it after Buddy? It'll be a way to stand out. It'll be memorable. And I think it has been. I've been in conferences and stuff where people come up to me and they're like, Oh, you're Buddy. I'm like, Well, I'm actually Vicky. But yeah, (laughs) nobody knows my name. Everybody knows Buddy, which is fine. So I I actually respond to Buddy. But that's how the blog came to be. I just wanted to help people and inspire people. And Mm -hmm. Buddy, I actually got him. So I mentioned I had this this really bad breakup years ago. And after that breakup, I got rid of everything that that guy had gotten me, given me. And I was at a Miami Dolphins football game. I was leaving with my friends. We stopped in the gift shop and I saw Buddy there and I just thought he was adorable. So I bought him because I said, you know, I don't need a man to get me a stuffed animal. I can get one for myself. And I did. And that's how I got Buddy. It was December of 2012. So I've had him for a few years now. (laughs) Like I said, I had already started traveling with him and taking pictures of him. So when I started my blog, you know, years later, I already had, you know, some great pictures of him in Bali and, you know, just around the country and stuff. So so that's how the blog happened. That's how I met Buddy. And we've been great friends ever since.
0: I love that. I love that. And Buddy definitely makes you stand out. And it's one of the things that I was like, I knew, of course, your face when we met at conferences, but I was like, yes, like I totally remember Buddy and just like seeing, because I don't think anyone I've known in the travel spirit does anything like that. So again, it just makes you so unique. And I I love that story and and how Buddy's well-traveled more than people, (laughs) more than other people, right? Which is awesome. Well, Vicky, thank you again for stopping by and sharing your story, your tips and how you transitioned from being in the army, all things that you've learned and really carving and crafting this lifestyle where you're location independent and you're doing truly what you want to do. So absolutely love that. Now in the extended interview with Vicky, she's going to be sharing how to best prepare For pitching brands and how to land press trips with tourism boards and hotels. Now, like I mentioned before in the episode, Vicky and I know each other, we've met, and one of the things that has stood out to me about Vicky is that she lands lots of brand deals. She's worked with tourism boards, many tourism boards. So we're gonna get an inside scoop behind what that's like, how to prepare. And to get access to that extended interview, you'll have to join the Thought Card Club. You can head over to the link in the show notes to get access to that. But you know, Vicki, thank you again. Feel free to share with everyone how they can connect with you and what's on the horizon for you. Where are you now? I think you're in Mexico. Are you in Mexico still? I
1: wish. No, (laughs) no, I am back in Florida. We were in Mexico for three months, which was great. We're in Florida. We're in a small town right now called Sanford, about half an hour north of Orlando. We're house-sitting and taking care of two huskies, which has been interesting. They are full of energy, but we're just going to keep house-sitting for now. There are days where I'm like, man, I wish I had my own kitchen. <laughs> so eventually we'll, we'll settle down. But for now, house-sitting is a great way to travel and see new places. So we're going to be in Florida for the next couple of months, and then we're going to start working our way north. And so we have a few house-sits in Georgia. We're going to be in Marietta. We're going to be in Savannah, which I'm really excited about. I've never been to Savannah. I've only driven through it. So I'm super excited about that house. sit. we will be up in Ohio, eventually in Massachusetts. So yeah, the next few months are going to be fun.
0: Well, when you're driving to Connecticut through Connecticut, make sure you let me know because I'm not too far. Now, how can folks connect with your website, your Instagram handles? If you're on Twitter, share all the places.
1: Yeah, so basically, just look up Buddy the Traveling Monkey. <laughs> Our website is buddythetravelingmonkey dot On Instagram, it's Buddy the Traveling Monkey. TikTok, I'm kind of new to TikTok, so I haven't posted too much there. But that's also Buddy the Traveling Monkey. The only thing that's a little bit different is Twitter, and that's because anything Buddy and Monkey related was already taken when I was, you know, starting to handle. But for Twitter, it's Traveling1223 because I got him December 23rd. But everything else, yeah, just look up Buddy the Traveling Monkey will pop up.
0: Excellent. And again, we'll have all of the links in the show notes. And if you want to see Buddy, we'll have a photo of Vicky and Buddy as well in the show notes. All right. That's it for this one. See you guys in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode but don't forget there's way more where that came from when you become a supporter of the show you'll get bonus episodes additional tips on affording travel real-time updates as well as strategies for building wealth and creating multiple income streams. head over to thoughtcard.com forward slash join to support also be sure to follow me on instagram i'm at the danielle desire slide in my DMs and share with me your thoughts about this episode. What did you enjoy? What stood out to you? Let me know. I'd absolutely love to connect with you outside of the podcast. See you in the next one.